States government is facilitating this economic migration, and it's unmistakable, as is an organization called the IOM, which is the International Organization for Migration. It's a branch of the UN. And if you read their charter, you will discover that this organization believes that migration is an inherently good thing. So the UN, of which the United States is, I think, the largest donor by far, mm -hmm. is paying for this with the U.S. government. Yep. This migration, once it gets through the Darien Gap, boards, buses, and all of the countries in Central America are effectively waving the migrants through because those migrants are not going to stop in these countries. As long as they keep going to the U.S., these countries are willing to remain silent about it. Today's episode of Liberty Lockdown is brought to you by Phoenix Ammunition. They are legitimately the baddest motherfuckers in the game. Got the best ammo. They don't even sell. They don't even sell to the military or the police. They just sell to the American people. The people the Second Amendment was written for. Exclusively. PhoenixAmmo.com. If you need ammo, or even if you don't, <laughs> you probably do. Go to F-E-N-I-X-Ammo.com. Phoenix Ammunition is the best in the game. If you are if you're running low, this is the time. Phoenix Ammo. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another live stream edition of Liberty Lockdown. I don't go live very often, but this story is so pressing, I felt obligated to do so. And I was honored to have someone who actually went and saw this firsthand. As I covered in my prior episode, I was talking about how Brett Weinstein, who was just on with Tucker Carlson, he had gone to the Darien Gap, he had seen the immigration crisis, and he had an absolutely unbelievable thesis as to what was transpiring. In that interview with uh, Tucker Carlson, he references Chris Martinson. I know Chris Martinson, so I reached out to him, and he is kind enough to now join us without further ado. Mr. Martinson, hey. how are you? Hey, it's good to be back with you, Clint. Let's talk yeah. about this. Where do you yeah, want to go? Yeah, Jesus, where do I want to go? Uh, to my safe space. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Well, first first off, tell my audience who you are, and then we'll get into it. Sure. Uh, Chris Martinson, I am a, uh, I don't know what I am. I, I'm a guy who likes to make sense of things, and I have a website, Peak Prosperity. Fairly large following there, and I will cover everything. I covered COVID pretty extensively, but I really cover you know the financial, economic things that are about to transpire. Uh, all the dots connect, so I'm a dot connector. That's who I am. And um, are you a polymath? I don't know. I'm just interested. I think I am. I, I I'm interested in almost everything at this point. Yeah. Yeah, but you're really um, good at it. That's what's that's what's impressive to me is that <laughs> most people they may have a lot of interest, but you seem to be really really good at it. So let's uh, let's cut to the chase here. Uh, obviously, we could deep dive on finance and all that stuff. That's my area of expertise as well. But I think this is a, a unique opportunity to get a firsthand account as to what's transpiring when it comes to the to the migrant caravans, uh, whether or not there are, if, if it's a UN plan, if, the, if these NGOs are actually not just there for humanitarian aid, but rather to usher in this wave of migrants into America. Brett Weinstein had a thesis that sent chills down my spine that perhaps uh, China was already invading. He referred to them as sleepwalkers as opposed to sleeper mm -hmm. cells. Uh, you were there as well. Uh, do you do you agree with Brett? Uh, start wherever you'd like. Sure. So Michael Yan, good friend of mine, he's been inviting me down for a long time. You know, I'm like, ah, oh, God, you know, so I'm, I'm always too busy. Uh, it seemed, you know, but uh, he just kept pressing. 
And uh, and then he said, hey, look, Brett's coming down. And it was also supposed to be that Jordan Peterson was coming down. And he's like, wow, I've got my you know power trio if I could get you three guys. Uh, Jordan backed out at the last minute, but Brett and I made it down there. And uh, and Vandersteel was there as well. And Mandy, he had a couple of um, longtime people who'd been in the region for a long time, including guy who grew two people who grew up in Panama. Uh, and uh, and so he said, come on down. So I fly down. We get to the airport. I met outside in a brand new SUV, you know, Ranger guy armed. Down we go. We drive to the end of the Pan American Highway that first day. Stay in this little hotel, I'll call it. Right next morning, wake up bright and early. And we drive to the very end of this dirt road. And there's a little boat ramp down there with, you know, chickens running around and some little shacks. But a Chinese sign right there at the dock sort of saying, hmm, this might not be what we think it is. There's a bunch of dugout canoes there. So we get in these dugout canoes. We're sitting in literally plastic lawn chairs in a canoe with a 15-horse Evan route on the back. Two canoes of people. And up the river, we start going because Brett wants to take us to not just any camp. There's a bunch of different camps in the Darien Gap. He wants to take us to the one that the Chinese people come to. Specifically, he calls a China camp. So we get in the boat four hours upriver. I mean, we're talking like, you know, caimans and monkeys and parrots and stuff, right? <laughs> and uh, and so we, and, and we're passing actual Membrio Indian encampments, you know, happy kids playing in the water. So we get to this camp and uh, it, it's, it's just this otherworldly thing, just sort of in the middle of nowhere in the jungle, Clint. There's, you know, some structures and, and there's Wi-Fi and there's generators and you can see all the presence of all these NGOs. Santa Front, which is the, they're not, they don't have a military in Panama, but these guys are dressed like military guys, full camo, armed. Uh, they are their border police and their job, they're just taking names, right? And recording who's coming in and through the camp and I guess keeping the peace. So we get there, uh, I don't know, 400 people there maybe. But they don't stay long. Some days there might be a few thousand there. Some days there might be 50. But it's just this constant flood of people. This is the camp that people get to when they first come out of the jungle after walking up from Colombia over this 4,000-foot mountain range, you know, and back down into this camp. And it's um, all, all Chinese migrants? Nah, there was, uh, we met people from Haiti, Afghanistan, yep. Syria, lot of people from from down south uh, but also africa uh but Is there a lot anyone of anyone from ukraine didn't meet any ukrainians they could be I, I just didn't meet any sure sure just but okay, chinese yeah so in and two types of, well first off nine or ten chinese men for every chinese female right mm -hmm. that we would see. so very heavily chinese male obviously all of, of an age right military age but a lot of them looked honestly richer than me <laughs> i mean they had nicer mm -hmm. clothes nicer backpacks you know and it's called the china camp because there's two ways to get through to this camp one is you walk all 30 40 miles up through this treacherous jungle path the other is you pay uh at at the um columbia coast you pay off their coast guard they put you on these boats wing you all the way up the panamanian coast some more payoffs and then you walk maybe 10 miles uh, or so to get to this camp so it's a much shorter route and it's it's just a faster way, I guess, easier way. So if you can afford to pay more, you end up at this camp. That's why it's called China Camp. A lot of the Chinese coming through, Clint, these aren't like your dispossessed third-way Venezuelans who never went to school, you know, just yearning for a better life. It's very odd how they get there. We saw evidence of um, we pay, which means there's not a chance in the world these people are there without official knowledge of the Chinese government. And then there were a few examples, no question about it, well-muscled, 
straight back demeanor, you know, good eye control, um, discipline, people who clearly from China who look like they'd been through some sort of military training. Mm -hmm. And, and out of like what percentage of the Chinese migrants that you encountered seem to be of that variety? Uh, rough guess, 10%, 5%, not, not many, but they were there. They stood out when you saw them. A lot of people just looked like, like dudes, you know? Um, right. but, but these were dudes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These are serious <laughs> dudes. Um, all right. Well, that's, that's interesting. So if it was say 10%, how, how many did you actually see 20, 30, 40 of them that looked like they were military? Yeah, it, we didn't see that. I mean, we went to we went to three separate big camps, right? So this one was way up in the jungle. There are other ones that were you could actually drive to, like the San Vicente camp that Miarcus went to. We couldn't actually get in that camp. We wouldn't have been allowed in. Um, but we got right up to the border of it. They, they, at, you know, they have a store that's at the very edge of it. So we walked up to that until we attracted some attention, and uh, we were able to talk to another. I don't know. There were probably twenty or thirty Chinese people at that one. And uh, one guy tried to tell us that he was from North Korea, as if we couldn't tell the difference, you know. Mm. Um, and Michael, Michael and Yon then, caught, caught him up with uh, was speaking Chinese, right? Or Mandarin? Yes, he did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he did. He was like North Korean, no chance. And then Michael told me that you know when you, when you got somebody to actually talk to him, they told him that look, the the gap between being in that camp and being in New York City with a driver's license in your hand is ten days. Wow. So. And they're doing that all based off of the the train networks that run through Mexico, or how do they how do they transit that fast? Yeah. yeah. So this is this was the learning. This is what landed on me like a ton of bricks. This isn't what I thought. Some cartoonish version of oh, people yearning to be free, and they somehow start wandering north, and they make whatever way they can. There's a Red Cross map we saw. You unfold. It's like this big giant map, you know, glossy, and it had probably 400, 300 different points on it, and each point had a had a reference on the map that said. This is what you'd find here, and here's the kind of services you can expect here, and here's where the Chinese, and the Chinese had their own map saying these places are more friendly. So when we say a, a Chinese person can go from a camp deep in Panama to New York City and have a driver's license, they actually know where they're landing in New York City and which DMV to go to and which, which, which. Like, this is a very deep rut. This is a route that has had so many feet on it and so much help. It's not like this, people make it up as they go along. This is like the it's like, I would say the the Oregon Trail, only way more, way deeper and more sad yeah. established than that, you know? Yeah, that's that's very interesting. But when you said it would take them 10 days to get from there to New York, obviously you're not walking if you're going to make that, that trek in that amount of time. So is it yeah. boats, planes, trains? Do you know? Yep. So, so they would have either walked or taken, first off, they fly in. So how do people from Afghanistan get there or China? Well, they're flying in typically to Quito, Ecuador, because Quito doesn't Ecuador doesn't have a, a visa. It you just fly in, no visa, good to go. So a lot of people landing there, and then they have to make it from Honduras up through Colombia, up to this part, get out of the last thing. Apparently on the Colombian side, we didn't visit this, but we saw the pictures. The last way stop before you technically walk into the jungle, there'd be these like huts, stores, just just like you would imagine at a festival. You know, there's people walking around with like little cheesy water bottles and sleeping bags and stuff, right? So they do their last little restock, head into the jungle. They do walk. If they pay more, they can take a boat for part of that. And then they get there, and then they're going to pay 40 bucks to take the same boats we took to get down the river to a place where there'll be buses. And I think another 40 to 70, depending on what you do, gets you up to the Costa Rican border, 
and then you start over. Another bus at that point will take you the next leg. Same thing. Um, so it's really just buses from there. And the time, the week or two before we went down, they were running 40 buses a day. I'm talking, you know, tour buses, like the big Peter Pans, right? right. Things are nice. They got Wi-Fi, you know, they hold however many people, right? So they were doing 40 of those a day. Now they were up to 200. And I believe it because in that drive down from the airport, we passed uh, 23 buses that I counted just heading north. Wow. Just And that's that's per day, seven days a week. It's just, it's a thing. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've got so many questions, but uh, this is obviously uh, an expensive enterprise. D did you guys get any insight as to, I mean, you the way you described it, you're saying that the Chinese uh, migrants look as if they're wealthier than you are. Um, obviously, they could be, you know, personally wealthy. They could be uh, fleeing China. Uh, the military ones obviously give me pause, but regardless, you're talking about a decent amount of money. You're also talking about being robbed in the Darien Gap or, or throughout your trek or being assaulted. There's all sorts of dangers that come along with this. Mm -hmm. How is it that people are, are self-financing this trek or are they self-financing or do you know? Well, no, they have to self-finance. So some, some real tragic stories there. Yeah, obviously. So there's a lot of, um, coyotes, banditos, snakes, snakeheads, all there. It's a, it's a really treacherous journey physically, but also financially. A lot of these people are poor to begin with, and they start with almost nothing. I'm sure they, they leave with whatever cash and, and phones and other possessions they have. A lot of them come out of the jungle with none of that. Um, it gets, they get relieved of it along the way. Uh, and so when we asked somebody, uh, a couple of the migrants, their expectation was it was going to take three to $5,000 from that camp to get into the United States. And when you imagine that a million people did that journey through that route last year, that's three to $5 billion. So this is now an industry, yeah, right? Um, that's real so money. yeah, and, and it begs the question, like why make them go through this whole rigmarole, right? If you're just gonna let them into the United States, why make them, why even make the Chinese come across the gap? Like just well, fly this, them into LAX or- This, this was my, this was gonna be my question for you because you said that the reason that they go into Ecuador, I think you said it was Ecuador because they don't have visas, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're just going to, I mean, you're just going to overstay your visa and become an illegal immigrant anyways, why not just fly into Dallas or whatever? I, 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 it's, it's a great question. I'm not clear on that, but there's some reason they want it to go through this route. And I have, I have some hypotheses about why that is, but here's the story so far. There's a lot of human misery you're locked up in this. You know, the IOM, which is the um, in, in International uh, you know, uh, Migration Organization for the, uh, <laughs> for the UN. They're like, oh, we're just helping people and we want to be helpful. This is the same organization, Clint, that hands out rape kits to women and girls before they enter the jungle because they know what's going to happen as they come oh through there. Oh, my goodness. Right? So, Crazy. yeah, you've got amy pope the head of that and she's just like oh my god migration is just we're unleashing the power of migration this is always a good thing i'm like not for the ladies taking the trip right you know that because you're hand, you're the same organization handing out rape kits and also you know it's going to be more expensive than they can afford and it, it would be way cheaper to do it some other way like i don't the whole thing just doesn't make sense yeah well it seems like it would right. it would turn into you know potential sex slavery uh you know kind of like indentured servitude, just trying to find any way to self-fund to get yourself all the way to the U.S. border. I mean, the other thing that I found fascinating about, about Brett's interview with Tucker is he was talking about mm -hmm. how these other nations are not stopping them because it's just a known fact that like we're, we're letting you through 
but you are not to stay here. And as long as you continue on your way, we're going to turn a blind eye. Is there, it, it seems to me like if any U.S. leadership was serious about stopping this flow, all they would have to do is apply pressure. I'm not even saying that it's necessarily a moral thing to do as a libertarian non-interventionist. I don't even know if I would advocate for this, but setting that aside, I think it's absolutely bizarre that they haven't reached out to Mexico and said, hey, we're going to you know, put a trade embargo on you if you don't stop uh, you know, the Guatemalan uh, borderline. Like, why? <laughs> just looking at it, doesn't it seem as if it would be easy enough to get one of these many nations that they're traversing to just say no more? You could do it that way, but actually it's on the demand side of this equation, Clint, as far as I'm concerned. So when we asked people, it, we were asked these really nice Afghani guys, by, and they had great English, um, asked them, like, how, how did you decide to make this journey? Like, like, what, you just woke up one day and said, let's do this? And they said, oh, no, social media, right? That they, they, they knew that there was this, uh, that there was an open border at the U.S., and it was kind of like now or never, right? So the green light at the in the U.S. is the thing that creates all of this flow in the first place. So I think it would be totally inappropriate for the U.S. to have this green light and then say, hey, Mexico, it's your job to stop them, right? Yeah, well, I, I know, but it, it just seems as if they're pretending as if this is like a totally organic thing, but then it's obviously being incentivized. Do you think it's being incentivized by corporations or like the government itself, the U.N.? Like where you said it, you said that they're being offered the carrot or the green light to, to come. Where where is that social media influence uh, stemming from? That I can't answer. I wish I knew. Uh, we saw examples of of uh, Chinese what could only be called adventure tourism videos explaining how great it would be. You know what an exciting thing, and they had fancy videos with nice music of people in little jackets. You know, taking an exciting ride and all this. So, so they made it. It's clear that there's almost a uh, there's a strong industry around this. Now, to get to the answer of who's doing this, when we were in Panama City, Michael took us on a tour right there in the city of knowledge, uh, as they call it, this little chunky area. There's 61 NGOs there parked. The IOM is there. There's a Catholic organization there. There's uh, the Confucius Institute is there. You've got uh, just every flavor of of NGO there to help, including um uh, Hias, uh, the Hebrew Immigration Society, right, and and they were the biggest. They were the biggest organization there at the San Vicente camp. They had the largest building, the largest facility, the most staff, and um, so it's very clear that there are a whole lot of groups out there, NGOs. And when you get back to corporations, I didn't see like a Coke sign or a Disney sign or anything like that, but they're clearly funding this, right? So a lot of these NGOs are getting funding from a variety of sources, our tax dollars. Uh, if you saw that. The so-called border deal, right, which just came oh, through, yeah. two point six billion or seven billion—I forget, two two point whatever billion—to go to these same organizations who are facilitating an illegal activity. Exactly. Well, well, allegedly, you know, <laughs> addressing the border crisis, which is being created by these very NGOs. Uh, it's it's totally bizarre. And you know, when I see things that don't make sense, I try and figure out what the ulterior motives are. You know, and. Uh, is it is it as simple as them wanting cheap labor? Because that doesn't really make sense to me either. Because if it's just about cheap labor, well, then why not just open up the the legal immigration backlog? We have so many qualified people and and people that are genuinely coming to or want to come to America for the right reasons. Why why permit millions of totally untraced, untracked, unknown variables that you're like? 
of course, 90 plus percent of these people are probably great human beings, but you're going to have some real bad dudes in these bunches. And it just doesn't make sense to me why this is happening. Even if it's 99% awesome people, that 1% is going to give you a big headache, um, yeah. including if it's sleeper cells or they've emptied out the MS-13 gang members from the Honduran gels, whatever. Yeah, um, I mean, 1% but, but me... would 1 would be 30,000 dangerous criminals, <laughs> you know, per year because yes. it's 3 million a year. Yeah. So, but, but let me, let me differentiate between something very important thing. My, my grandparents, both my grandmother, grandfather on my father's side came through Ellis Island. Immigration's great. I know a lot of people who've immigrated. I know plenty of green card holders. Immigration, if you know, Clint is a very elaborate process, extraordinary yes, amounts of vetting. There's probably 50 or 60 little boxes you have to go through and agencies and forms and tests and all this, right? Immigration's great. It's like, if you're a landlord yeah, you got a tenant, you're going to check them out, right? Little background check, little little reference check, et cetera. Or if you're hiring somebody, same process. Immigration is a vetted process. I'm not talking about immigration. We're talking about migration. Totally different process. Migration, biologically speaking, is the mass movement of animals from one area to another, usually for resources, right? Um, and so that's exactly what we're talking about. So when you look at the charter of the IOM, they tell you flat out, right? This was one of the best parts of the Alex Jones interview with Tucker, right? Tucker's like, God, ah, how'd you know all this stuff? And Alex is like, I, I read what they write, you know? <laughs> yeah. So let yeah, I love that. So let's read what they write here. The IOM tells you flat out that they think immigration is, is just an unqualified positive. And they just know this, right? Settled science. They already know this. And what they want to do is they want to equalize countries. And the way they do that is they say through the power of remittances, which is what they're saying is they want poor people to go to rich countries and earn money and send it back to the poor country. And that makes the poor country richer, but the rich country poor, because what they want is more equality. So they're trying to make us poor. They're telling us flat out, we want millions of people to come to your country to help make it poorer. Full stop. Second, they're like, oh, this is helping all these under, you know, underprivileged people. But let's be honest, all of these millions of underprivileged people don't end up in Greenwich. They don't end up on Martha's Vineyard and they don't end up in Palm Springs. Right. They end up in poor areas where they inevitably compete with other already established resident poor people for things like housing and jobs and resources. Yep. It's very unfair, right? Program. But they say they care about people, which is how you can spot a lefty. They care about the people not consequences of their actions it's a yeah it's how they're built well th this is my concern is that the the domestic population i'm i'm with you i actually do think that immigration is a good thing um it, what concerns me is that if you allow for a flood of this magnitude you're going to displace so many domestic of the domestic population that you're going to really radicalize people and it's very mm -hmm. probable that you know even if even if it's Trump that gets in next and they undermine him and this process continues, if you talk about the levels, I mean, even with the border bill, what they're talking would be basically capping it at 2 million per year. Well, that's 20 million over a decade. I mean, that's a, that's an astronomical, you know, shift to the demographic or to the population. And it's going to absolutely cause havoc both economically, but also just civilizationally, culturally, like the, as you, as you described this, this puts major pressure in terms of demand for, you know, low price housing in terms of rental or purchases. Uh, and I just think that the, <laughs> you're, you're really doing a disservice to the domestic population against their will, which seems very wrong to me. So I guess my question is, why is it that the 
American political class would be going along with this. I can understand why, I guess maybe I'm answering my question as I think about it, but I can understand why globalist Marxists would would think that it's a totally reasonable thing to do to to decrease the domestic standard of living because it's to the benefit of the whole because you're raising the, the lowest amongst us globally. Um, but from an American pol politician's perspective, uh, I find it fascinating that they'd be going along with that. I thought about it a lot. I'm going to say this incautiously. They do it because they're enemies of our country. That's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty heavy. I mean, all right. Did... And, and you want to hear my hypothesis around this? It, it's, Please, it's um... yes. so in, in 2016, the WEF, which is just to me, that's just sort of like global billionaires. They're stateless. They don't care. You know, they don't really have a home, you know, it, it rules don't apply to them. So they all get together and, think they're kings and queens of the universe and all that good good for them but they put out this video and everybody knows number one in this video you'll own nothing and be happy right but the one that always caught me the most was by 2030 they said number eight western values will have been tested to the breaking point and it always caught me because i'm like why western values why not eastern values what are western values oh i don't know private property rights, intellectual property, freedom, the ability of parents to make a decision for their own children, et cetera. And that's what they're undermining. So let's look at this migration from a different angle. It's not just, you know, there's all this human tragedy and st every story there would break your heart. I actually slipped some people, I, you know, at great risk, because if anybody saw me doing this, I would have been swamped. Because I mean, really just it, uh, nothing against the people trying to do this. I have lots against the people who are encouraging this, and inciting this right so so let me let me put that out there but um these what is a nation that doesn't have a border can you call yourself a nation honestly uh, i don't think so i mean if you don't have if you don't have a declared landmass it doesn't seem to be a nation at all i so there's there's that so that seems to be a western value you know that that we have a, a nation with a culture that matters two the cultural aspect, there's only so fast you can absorb a new culture, right? right. And some cultures mix well. I like how Michael Yan put it. He said, because he, he had used to keep a lot of aquarium fish, and he said, you go to the store and they have this chart, you know? Certain fish get along with other fish, and certain fish are just bad match, you know? And so it it's not saying that it's, oh, you can't be invaded by another culture. It's like, no, some cultures are a great mix. You know, he said, like, Filipinos. They get along with everybody. Don't know how, but they just do. Chechens, you get more than four Chechens in a single spot, you have a problem on your hands, right? <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, you got this fish chart thing, right? So it's clear that we're being overwhelmed in our official capacity to have a cultural absorption. And I think, could this be any more clear than when Ilan Omar speaks in Somali to a bunch of Somalians who frankly do not share my values in the slightest, right? right different values i'm not saying mine are better but they're not ours yeah. these are somebody else's and well, I'll so say, i'll say yours are better um <laughs> look <laughs> uh, this this is my whole my whole issue with it is like i i don't mind immigration because i think that historically right. historically it has been that those that that have immigrated to america did so because they wanted to become americans they 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 valued property rights, the right to self-defense. They were fleeing tyranny. They didn't want to be disarmed and, and robbed blind like they were wherever they were coming from. Oftentimes, it doesn't appear to be that way anymore because they're being advertised as, hey, free shit here. Every, send everybody. 
And then they get here, some of it's free, some of it's not, but it just creates a, a major dislocation amongst mm -hmm. the domestic population. And I feel like the political class is totally ignoring their, their cries for help. I mean, this is, this is not just a red state issue anymore, particularly because the red state governors started to bust these people into these blue cities, but the blue cities ain't happy now. I mean, the domestic population there, the black community there is furious. Um, I mean, even in Chicago, it looks like you might actually see a Republican win at some point in the not too distant future because it's so, so out of hand. So let's, let's jump into well, the, well, that brings, oh, can, can I just, that's, that's the third point of, of this Western values that there's something really insidious going on here because the undercurrent message that is being sent, let's look at Maine just said, oh, we're going to build all this new housing for these migrants we have, give it to them rent free for a couple of years, give them some EBT cards and some other assistance. And they have homeless veterans sleeping on the street of Portland. Yeah. So the message is you don't matter to us citizen who is here, who's helped build this country, defend it, paid tax. We don't care about you. In fact, we're going to harm you and take from you to make these other people who are totally unvetted, we don't know who they are, but we care about them more than we care about you, right? There's tone deaf, then there's that. I don't know what right. that is. Yeah, I mean, it's insult to injury. Uh, you're already not taking care of the veteran population, and then then you are going to take care of people that aren't even Americans? Like, how how can you possibly... And then and then we see the recruitment levels for the military, and you're like, well, no shit. Like, why, why would anybody want to serve for this country at this point? But... Because it's so, it's such a massive operation that's being ran. Well, first, I, I want to ask: Do you think that the these NGOs are are the majority of the people that are actually in these camps that that work for these NGOs? Are they just bleeding heart humanitarians? Do you think? I mean, like, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt that they think they're doing the right thing. Oh yeah, I, I think the troops in there. I mean, some of them probably have some questions because it just doesn't add up, right? So. Let's say I work for one of these UN agencies and I believe in these sustainable development goals, all 17 of them, right? And, and I really believe that, you know, in climate change, which is like number 13 or whatever, right? I really believe that we have to do something about climate change. I must have a question to go, well, if I'm moving all these people from a low carbon consumption country into a high carbon consumption country, how is that helping fight climate change? I mean, it's an incoherent mess. So I'm sure there's some of them are having some questions like, I don't know. Am I really helping people when I have to hand out rape kits to eight-year-old girls? I don't, uh, you know, am I still a good person? But I think they do. I mean, they, I, I put those people at the useful idiot level, like they're true believers. They, they actually think they're doing good. Right. They'll wake so, up. They'll, they'll have one of those bad nights when they're about 45 someday, like trying to go yeah. to sleep on. Oh, oh, no. You yeah, know? They'll, they'll have an <laughs> aha moment at some point. That's, am I the baddie? Um, all right, yeah, so, that, that thing. <laughs> so do you think that it's... Uh, is this a, a just the Agenda 2030 World Economic Forum plan writ large? Is that what we're witnessing? It is. And I think, you know, it, where do you begin to peel that onion back? You know, I, honestly, I don't know where to start, start or stop in that story, Clint. But, um, you know, to me, the most important part of, uh, you know, Werner Mendenhall, who's the guy who's suing with Brooke Jackson, he's suing Pfizer, right? And I was just hanging out with him the other day. And, and he said, you know, everybody focuses on the First and Fourth and Ninth Amendments. They go to the amendments. He said, you got to start. It's it's the opening sentence of the Constitution. You know, in order to secure the blessings of liberty, dot, dot, dot. Everything else is written in order to secure the blessing, blessings of liberty. And so to the immigrants who want liberty, right? You said they're freeing tyranny, oppression, all this stuff. Great. But if you don't believe in the blessings of liberty, you are not down with the overall arc of what gave this country 
all the prosperity and why people are fleeing here in the first place. So when I peel that onion back, I find that the Rockefellers, they hated this concept of liberty, right? So we could point to them. But a lot of these billionaires or whoever they are, you know, the Pritzkers who are funding all the trans, you know, you know, stuff and, and you got Bill Gates destroying healthcare single-handedly, you know, as a concept. And it, it's just, there's something going on here that this whole migration thing fits into this larger tapestry for me, Clint, where it's, it's a program that's ongoing, that's been going on for a while that maps into these agenda 2030 goals. But let's be clear, it's been running for decades. It's just coming to a head. I think that's what's going on. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think now we got to go into this is why I didn't put this on YouTube because I wanted to be able to tell the truth about all this and it's too way too hot for YouTube unfortunately but um you of know, course Brett, hey Clint um oh, sorry, sorry. My, my screen froze and I'm worried that Oop. everybody hang in there his his connection looks like it's lagging out but I'm sure he'll be right back oh my goodness what a crazy story <laughs> this is so crazy um Sorry guys, we're this is this is why I don't always go live because sometimes you have connection issues and things like that. But hopefully he'll be back in a second. Oh, let me read the comments while we wait for him. Uh, why do we need any right now? We can't find the getaways. How many is that? Well, the getaways is millions. I don't know exactly. I'll wait for him to come back. And they have totally given too much freedom to the gays. They need to fix the laws. <laughs> don't don't know about don't know about that. What's up? Got to distinguish between the nation and the nation state. Okay. Uh, I lost the whole feed for a moment myself, but it is back now. All right. So maybe, hopefully it's not just on my end. Let's see if he's able to get back. I'll check my Twitter, see if he's got a connection issue. Oh, there we go. We got him. All right, I I can hear you. I am back. I'm looking for my camera to come online here. There it is. Sorry. Yes. Um, oh, no worries. StreamYard has is, is crashed my computer once or twice in the past. And oh, apologies. Well, I'm, no, I'm I'm just glad you were able to come back because I was like, no, we're getting into the good stuff here. All yeah. right. So, so Brett's thesis was that mm -hmm. perhaps, and you've done as much research as on this as he has, I believe. Um, perhaps the vaccine regimen, the mRNA gene therapy, was in fact a, a precursor bioweapon that essentially will will make it so that our immune systems are very prone to a secondary attack. I, I assume his thesis would be that if it were to come to hot conflict between China and the U.S. directly, that would be their early strike, would be to take out all of the vaccinated. Did I understand that thesis correctly? And do you agree, disagree, if you could add anything? Yeah, that that's a hypothesis, and I think Brett was careful to say he, he's not necessarily, yeah, saying he believes in it a hundred percent, but he's saying it's it's it, we can't exclude it. So yes, um, well, so let's consider very quickly all the strange things around COVID, uh, and I have to laugh a little because it's just so dark. It's just so obviously dark, right? So first, hundred yes. percent, no question, this thing came out of a lab. I'm not saying which lab, because I don't even know, right? But I can tell you it came from a lab. Even more to the point, so I just came back from an FLCCC conference, which are these COVID frontline doctors, right? That's doctors uh, Paul Merrick and Pierre Corey and, and dozens of others who've just been there, and now they're fighting 
both long COVID and vaccine injury and the overlap because who can detangle it anymore because almost everybody's been vaccinated and or had COVID. So it's, it's a hot mess. And they're, they're dealing with the most complicated syndrome of, of insults you've ever seen. 30, 40 symptoms, right? The immune system's dysregulated. We've got all these cancers arising. Obviously, the myocarditis, the heart attacks, the strokes that everybody's heard about. But now there's this like goopy, who, like it's getting, it's getting dark, right? And so the way they think about it now is it's called spike protein pathology. And that allows us to not have to say, was it from COVID? Was it from the vaccine? We don't know. The spike protein itself is a toxic thing. And the spike protein was engineered. And the mystery in the story, and this is way too hot for YouTube, is why did every single vaccine manufacturer decide to use the whole spike protein? You never do that in vaccinology. You find a little fragment that gives you the antigenic you know, signature you're looking for, and you make antibodies against that, and that blocks the whole thing. All of them use the whole thing. And even with that, they really poo-pooed and, and, and did not like the other technologies, the old ones, the adenovirus ones. It's the J&J &J and stuff. They wanted mRNA, and they did everything they could to get mRNA in everybody. And they didn't just want it in everybody. They wanted it in six months old on up. And they didn't just want that, but they wanted boosters. They didn't just want some boosters. They wanted eight, you know, or whatever, right? Well, and, and they lied to get it not just into the adult population, but particularly into the child population. I mean, right. I, uh, the, the original thesis that people had, including myself, was that the reason they did so is because in the law, if it's if it's put into the the, you know, all ages, then they get full legal liability. But it, it could be much more sinister than that, because the reason I we've all theorized, like, what the fuck are they doing? Why are they trying to force mm -hmm. this on children? Mm -hmm. the, the kids aren't at risk from COVID. This is totally psychotic. We don't know what the long-term ramifications are of the vaccine. Mm -hmm. Why would we possibly push this on children? But if you theorize that it's that it's a bioweapon, then it all starts to go like, all right, well, maybe that's why. Well, maybe. So let's go back to the spike protein. This is really important. Somebody engineered a few things into this. It has two key features that I hate, right? One is somebody put four separate inserts from the GP120 protein from HIV into this thing. Hey, HIV is this awesome, successful virus that gets in and wrecks your immune system, goes in and destroys your CD4 cells. Wow, can we take some of these? Uh, let's take some pieces from that. They put it into this thing. So of course people are having immune dysregulation. This stuff, this, a normal zoonotic jump comes from an animal, you know, comes out of a bat, jumps to a human. It comes into the human poorly and through a single receptor and kind of poorly. It's like tuning an old analog radio. It's like a little staticky till you get the station dialed in, you know, this thing jumps in through the human through ACE2, which everybody's familiar with, right? It has many other doorways it can get in because of the GP120, because they put HIV inserts in this, it comes in through what's called the CD147 door lock. It's got a different key to a different lock, comes into our white blood cells. No bueno. Also comes in through neuropillin one, which gets into the nerve cells. That's why people lost taste and smell. It no bueno. They put a bunch of different keys on this thing because they were they were I don't know who knows I can't ascribe intent to why they were doing it, but I can tell you they did it. Right? Yeah. And they gave this thing all that, <clears throat> and then it has um, six separate sequences which create what are called amyloid protein misfolding misadventures and that's probably what's giving us our clots these big long clots that show up in people both post both post-mortem and also pre-mortem right just it's a clotting disorder and so when you look at that microscopically 
this isn't normal like a clot with fibrin and some platelets and some red blood cells and your body can chop it back up again. This is some this is a nasty what's called an amyloid plaque. It, it your body can't break it down. It, it's got it's very resistant. So so is isn't isn't the, the isn't the is, thesis isn't the thesis right now that amyloid plaques are what causes dementia? It is, but that, that that actually that research turns out to much of it might have been bogus. Um, okay, okay. So those are those are beta amyloid plaques. This is a different. Th this yeah. is showing up in the bloodstream, um, but it's very resistant to being broken down by your normal body processes. So it just tends to build and build and build. So you know when I said people have this long vax, long COVID sort of syndrome that shows up, number one symptom, brain fog. What is brain fog? It's because their 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 blood is like sludge now, and it just goes. It's got it's got all these little tiny microclots that um, are just floating around and just sort of like impinging the flow of things. So, very typical. One guy I was talking to a doctor. He suffered with with this brain fog for a year and a half before he got some treatment, and got it cleared up. He said that it reminded him of what it felt like the one time he'd been at in a mountain at twenty thousand feet. So shortage just, of oxygen. Yep, it's just probably just shortage of oxygen due, due to literal biomechanical occlusion of, of normal flow um, because wow. you're just full of clots. That's right? awful. Yeah, you want to hear the worst thing? Yes. Um, I haven't released this anywhere yet, and this is awful news, so it's going to change my personal strategy for, for what I'm going to do. So they, they had been running these um, microclot assays on people for a long time just to see, and it, the scale goes from zero to four. Zero, they can't detect any microclotting. Four, you have you got the brain fog for sure, right? Three and a half is pretty bad. Three, you're starting to detect it, but few people can be maybe asymptomatic at three. One and two can largely be asymptomatic, but you still got it. They no longer encounter any zeros. Everybody's a one to four now. Everyone everybody. on Earth? Everybody they everybody that's been that's getting tested now. Holy shit. And this is this is based off of either having gotten covid or the or the vaccine i think so uh but wow. but i have to add one more asterisk in there pierre Corey gave this great talk at this conference it, it was shedding is real no question mark at the end of that use we had a question mark at the end of that sentence for a long time there's a period at the end of that sentence now and and he shows and and it's not fully fully defined yet but it seems pretty likely that it is and it, you know and it varies the the summary would be the worst is to get locked in a car with somebody you got jabbed two days ago right that's the highest possible sort of shedding a moment it's not like we're all shedding you know the same units like a like a wi-fi tower or something it, it varies but there's enough data now to say it's real and of course you know with all these other gene products not the mrna but the other ones that are out there they tell you sh to avoid shedding for every other gene product on the market because it's a known thing it happens my goodness so so essentially whether or not you got the vaccine, we've basically all gotten the vaccine. <laughs> Is that via shedding? Yeah, but what's not, I don't, so here's what we don't know. We don't know if, is it the mRNA that's shedding and coming out in little, what would call exosomes, these little microparticles that would be breathed out. Is it that? Or is it the spike protein that's coming out? Or we don't know. I mean, so it's, it's, un, it's unknown at this dark. point. Goodness yeah. gracious, man. So, all right. First so, off, but okay. this is, but this was made. This is made. This is the part I'm just, I can't believe we're not angrier about this. This was made and right. we have names. This was Fauci. This was Holmes. This was Anderson. This was Rambeau. This is Rasmussen. This is, this is Drosten. These are all these virologists 
who ganged up on people like me, like a little mean girl club out of, you know, junior high to try and shout us all down and say, oh, this is why we hate it when you non-experts come into our territory, you know, and, uh, and, and, but they're just, they're just guilty. I think they're just displaying pathological guilt or something or CYA (laughs) anyway. Yeah. All of the above. But I mean, this, this begs the question. Well, let's, let's try and steel man it for a second. Why would you have put HIV into this at all? I mean, is, is there, is there a non terrible reason? <laughs> yeah. So, so remember, so alpha came out, it was pretty bad, but it, it very quickly mutated into something slightly less bad. That's what viruses do. And then, um, but Delta came along and Delta had this one mutation in it that made it really bad. And Delta actually killed a lot of folks. Okay. And then, but that was coming through July and August and early September, 2021. And then you remember Thanksgiving day, I wake up Thanksgiving day here on the East coast. And I read about this strange new virus detected in in South Africa called Omicron within weeks. It was everywhere. And Delta was gone because it was just that much more virulent. And if you had Omicron exposure, the antibodies you developed back protected you, you couldn't get Delta if you'd so it actually operated. So let me steal man this. It, if somebody released that as an airborne vaccine to terminate the rampant killing of, of Delta, it worked. Holy shit. So what if somebody was possibly, you know, thinking they were working on, wouldn't it be great if we had airborne vaccines? Cause of course, you know, they, they, they just love their vaccines. Like to them, vaccines are like migrants. Always a good thing, never yeah. a bad thing, right? There's no no <laughs> negative know? side effects, yeah. No negatives, right? Um, so, and think of the power because, you know, when I, when I interviewed Bobby Kennedy a while back and I asked him, I was like, is this all about money? And he just scoffs. He's like, like I, like I hit him with a fish. He's like, no, they don't care about money. These people, like money is an irrelevant object to these billionaires. They want power. They want control. They want to impress their friends, you know? And... You know, how do you do that? Oh, uh, what have you done? Well, I've, <laughs> I've stolen all the gold in the world. Well, I created an airborne vaccine that everybody has been exposed to or whatever. Right. 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 It's, it's I a, think that's as close bra- as I can get to. <laughs> yeah. It's a bra- bragging factor, but I mean, the, the, yeah. the issue obviously is that, uh, you know, Mansria, you have to have, <laughs> you have to ha- uh, allow the patient to actually know you can't for like, even if it is for our benefit. I, I still mm-hmm. think that it's obviously a violation of every sort of medical, uh, you know, practice or law or anything else to to you know push a vaccine, airborne or otherwise, onto unwitting population. They also deceived us quite clearly. They lied through their fucking teeth about the the safety and efficacy of the original vaccine rollout. Um, how how is it that there has been no no real investigations, no real pro- like why Rand Paul and Massey are basically the only guys that are still talking about this at all. It seems like. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think there's the answer in that. So I have, I have this rule in life, Clint, which is that if it was a good shoot, the police will release the video within the day. Right. <laughs> otherwise they bury it. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise you're not seeing it. You know, you got to dig it out. Um, and, and, uh, and same thing here that because our, our larger power structure, our intelligence agencies are doing everything they possibly can not to look into this and to block any in actual inquiry into where this thing came from, tells me they were in on it. Yep. No, I, th- I think so too. So th- this has been my thesis all along. I, there's there's a lot of people that think that it was Ralph Barrick that was originally working on, on COVID and that it was- Well, he was. 
Yeah, and then it was the uh, the shutdown from the Obama administration forced Fauci to to migrate and essentially surreptitiously, you know, circumvent the the laws by by funding Dazac and EcoHealth into the Wuhan Institute of Virology to essentially complete the the COVID virus creation. I mean, that's that's my analysis of it. Uh, obviously, there's I'm. I'm kind of grasping at straws to put this together because every every step of the way they've told us that we're conspiracy theorists, lunatics, and that we're lying or whatever, whatever. We're mm -hmm. grandma killers. Uh, I think that's what it was. The the it, then it begs the question: Okay, why the fuck if if the CCP, if China is our enemy, which almost everybody in the American political establishment pretends that's the case, why would you possibly be funding? Even if you're just funding it, why would you be funding bioweapons research with the CCP? You can't come up with a good answer for that one. Um, you know, that that obviously doesn't doesn't make sense. But, you know, back to Brett's thesis on that. So this is where we these dots begin to sort of come a little uncomfortably close together. China did not vaccinate itself with the mRNA vaccines. Right. They did not do that specifically. We did. Um, whole parts of India did not do it. Some did, but other parts did not take any of that stuff in whatsoever. Right. Um, so it's really just the places that got the mRNA vaccines. And again, you know, the mystery is we never collected the data that would allow us to actually close the loop on, are these things safe and effective? They just give us this highly defective VAR system and then say, oh, you can't tell anything from this stupid system that can't tell you anything because we designed it not to be able to tell you anything. Haha, <laughs> case closed, right? It's the most stupid thing ever, right? Um, what we really needed to do was to collect all the data so that we could get the temporal association between people got a shot here and this happened then. Great. How do we, that's how science works. We all know, citizen, you can't get your hands on that data. You know, it's like it's like you could probably dig out a nuclear secret from the Internet faster than you could figure out how many people died and how many people got vaccinated and match those records in any given state. Right. Wow. Um, and and so it's clear that there was a whole program to get everybody vaccinated as fast as possible with these mRNAs. But to Brett's point, isn't it a little bit weird that it wasn't actually everybody? Yes, very. And, and particularly given that it was being allegedly created in the, the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and yet they would be the only nation, or not maybe maybe not the only nation, but certainly the, the largest nation to completely reject the mRNA technology and go the opposite direction with it. Uh, I, I theorized when I first covered this story that perhaps it's just that they don't they don't trust the American pharma company companies. They mm -hmm. think that per, perhaps this was a bioweapon or perhaps they know it was a bioweapon because they, they were actually working in tandem with the CIA. I don't fucking know, man. And I'm like, this is this is what I'm this is why I was having you on. And I assume you probably don't know for sure either. But do you have any theories as to what happened? Um, well, no, I mean, I mean, I, I know for a fact it, it did, wasn't released when they said it was, you know, that, oh, we found it in this wet market in, in December, late December, um, 2019. Was, you think it was summer 2019? I know for sure it was at the Wuhan military games. Cause I know people who were there who came back with it. Right? right. And I'm pretty sure that it was August, maybe early September. Cause it was this big weird lockdown around the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which is a little odd. And then there's some early, but I don't have any data, but I've read things that say it has been detected earlier in wastewater and stuff, but I don't know. They could run tests like that wrong. There's a lot of ways to get that data. I haven't seen the base data, so I don't know for sure. I've read maybe, but somewhere in summer 2019 kind of makes sense. Um, but I can tell you this. Prior to Ralph Barrick starting to do his chimeric 
hanky panky where they took pieces. Chimeric means you take a one piece of a coronavirus in another piece and you put them together. And these pieces would never naturally come together, right? Because pangolins don't hang out with like horseshoe bats, right? They just don't, right? So we know in 2014, Barrick and she, you know, bat lady, were happily putting together pieces of horseshoe bat and other things and infecting mice who had humanized ACE2 in them. They were doing these experiments. It's in nature. It's, in, it's not even like a hidden publication. It's in nature, right? One of the preeminent magazines, <clears throat> journals out there. So this has been going on a long time. So if you follow along, there, there were exactly zero pandemic human coronaviruses prior to the published work coming out from Barrick et al., where they started to do this work. SARS in 2003, MERS in 2008, and then this one, there had been zero pandemic coronaviruses prior to those um, that. Now I can show you when they started getting their first infectious clones in 1998, 1999. Three, four years later, SARS. A couple years later, MERS. Now wow. this one. Wow. So, so, so this is all man-made, you think? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to, and, you, 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 you really want your noodle baked? Yes, I do. There was, yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, there was this paper by two really preeminent virologists out of Japan. Tanaka and Miyazawa just came out um, last fall. And they said, hey, this is a little weird. But they were trying to figure out where Omicron came from, like many of us were. Remember, you saw the movie Contagion, Dustin Hoffman, patient zero. You want it. You just have to find patient zero. Omicron comes out and they're like, uh, it was like four diplomats, and then they lost the trail. Like, you know, it was this weird thing. They nobody cared anymore. So they chased it back, and they found that Omicron. There's two lineages came out at exactly the same time. BA one, BA two. But the naming is weird because these two have as little in common with each other genetically as either of them would have from the original strain. Wildly far apart, right? So BA one, BA two. Though they took the BA one and they said. Well, let's look at this. Where did this come from? So they start going through all the gen bank. Every time somebody got sick, some of them would get sequenced because in a database. So they're fishing through. They're like, let's look at this. BA1 has 37 separate amino acid changes in the spike compared to the wild type. 37. Anytime you have one, the chance of that surviving is almost zero. So to have 37 of these changes is like a big deal, right? So it's huge, right? Worse. They found that they could find examples where there were 37 of these changes, except now there were only 36, and one of them was back to exactly the early wild type. And then this one was changed, but exactly back to the early wild type. I have 37 of this one, just this fifth one maybe, back to the wild type. And that's what's called, you can make an arrangement of this, it's called a knockout panel. You're in a lab, you're trying to say which of these 37 are the most important changes, I don't know. We'll knock them out one at a time and release them. And they proved pretty conclusively that every single one of those variants that we were dealing with from Delta onward had all had no lineage you could account for. They just arose and appeared as if they'd been released intentionally. So they're basically hitting light switches on the fucking the sequence and just going like, what's this do? What's this do? What's this do? And then we're going to release it on 7 billion people. Mm -hmm. Really? Are these people out of That's... their fucking minds? <laughs> sorry sorry to and, put well, it so bluntly like but what well, the fuck are yeah. they thinking well here's it's the hubris of this all and this is why i'm very bearish and, and why i think people maybe ought to figure out where their food's going to be stored over the next few months because these people are nuts Glenn. Yeah, clearly. They, so what they don't appreciate is that is that we're we're humans and we're pretty clever but we're like monkeys with machine guns we 
We didn't, we didn't know. I'm guarantee you they had no idea that putting these GP120 proteins in and some amyloids was going to lead to all these clots. They had no idea how this was going to affect people. They had no idea how it was going to mutate once it was out in the wild. They had no idea how any of that was going to happen. And they have no idea what they're doing. They, they literally do not appreciate how complex this system is. So when viruses, you know, we've been, we've been like animals and viruses, plants and viruses, a billion years of cat and mouse, right? And the viruses eke along and we eke along and everybody figures it out. But when you suddenly take a whole thing and give it basically a hundred million years of evolution in a few weeks and drop it into a population, you don't know what that's going to do. You exactly. just, you have no clue, no idea. So th th these people think they're gods or they're, they're just, they just don't care. I mean, it's like this, uh, the, what, what totally like makes no sense to me is that even if you, even if you don't know exactly what you're doing, which clearly mm -hmm. they, they don't, cause this is all very mm -hmm. experimental stuff. It's still your friends and your family and you, I mean, like you can't even safeguard yourself from this stuff uh, with any certainty. So it's just super dangerous. It's like suicidal almost on a global scale. I, this is what this is what takes me down the nefarious path of it not being ineptitude, but in in fact being malice. That you have mm -hmm. to like the the whole the whole framework of bioweapons development is that you try and create a vaccine for the domestic population so that you can re release this shit on on your enemy, wipe them out while you stay okay. This this is fascinating because it seems as if it was released into China with co-funding and co-development between the CIA and the CCP, and it maybe maybe it also arose in those Ukrainian labs, and maybe that's why we're willing to start World War III to protect that information. I'm sorry, I'm throwing all of the conspiracy theories in the mix here, but there's a mm -hmm. lot there's a lot of smoke to this fire, and I just don't know where the flame is coming from. <sighs> Take it wherever you want. Well, <laughs> well. So, so you mentioned a couple of my favorite characters, of course, Peter Dayzak and EcoHealth Alliance. And, and you know, I, I love the little red herrings they throw out there. They're limited hangouts. And Fauci finally admitted, well, you know, we gave him 600,000, maybe only 300,000. That's not enough to do this kind of work. He's right. Unfortunately, if you go to US Right to Know, they dug it up that USAID, DOD, State Department all gave money to EcoHealth Alliance over $100 million over a period of time. Is that enough money to do this kind of work? Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Right? Yes. And that's buried, right? I can't, I mean, like, I still have the base data because I store it. It's very hard to find like, after the fact because we live in a, we're, you know, let's be clear. We're facing a full frontal assault, right? And I don't even know who the enemy is. So, so that means it's fifth generation warfare, right? I don't know which direction it's coming from or all of that. But the tools of cognitive warfare have been now arrayed inward on our own people. It's kind of like, you know, we were the United States. The eye of Sauron, you know, would, would make you miserable if you were like El Salvadoran or whatever. It's turned inward. Yes. And so it, it's, it's you know, to the point that they even mandated these shots. If it was a DOD program, they mandated it for every service member. Right. Right. Which is, which only makes sense if either A, you, you know that the vaccine works, it, to not even necessarily to stop COVID, but to prevent whatever the, the future weapon's going to be, or B, it's an attack. It's an attack from outside in, and the US government is in on it. Either of those options is horrifying. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> do, you, do you know which it is? I assume not. I, no, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. 
you know, it's, it's, but, but you're right. The, the smoke is beginning to, to condense a little. We're starting to be able to make the, it's, it's unavoidable at this point. That's why I said, I used that word that very carefully we're under attack, right? These people are not, it's not like we're all Americans and some of us just maybe have some more context. And if some of us maybe went to, you know, uh, it's not that these people are, are systematically undermining our country, its morals, its values, its prosperity. And I don't know why, you know, I can't, I can't steel man that and say, I get it. Except if you, if you go to the WF website, and again, we're going to take them at their word. One of their opening statements on their opening slide deck says, Hey, you know, by 2050, it's going to be like nine or 10 billion people. And we're going to need three planets or resources. We don't have three planets or resources. So if that's your framing, what do you do? Well, there's only two levers in this story, either fewer resources per person or fewer people, right? Which lever am I pulling? Right. So it begins to, if that's your framing now, now, because these people don't believe in what you and I believe in, or your listeners, they don't believe in freedom. They don't believe that if you take people and give them a challenge, they'll surprise you with how they solve that, right? They're not doing anything positive, like, hey, let's build small modular nuclear reactors so that we have plenty of, of you know, almost free electricity. Let's, you know, none of that. They're doing none of that. What they're doing is saying, oh, we got to inject these people with weird substances. We're going to feed them foods that make them really, really sick. We're going to like just absolutely rape them on their hospital bills and other things. Uh, we got to get them into 15 minute cities. We'd really like it if they had digital passports or vaccine passports or maybe both. We'd really, it's all this control and lockdown, right? And they think this is the Hubers again. They think they can take this whole thing and just sort of contain it, right? right? And it doesn't work that way. Yeah, they, they think that the noose will tighten without us ever realizing it. And um, I, I think to a large extent, they're right. Many people are not realizing it, but there is a huge percentage of the population that is very much realizing that that this <laughs> it's getting tough to breathe out here, folks. Um, and I think that there's a mm -hmm. lot, a lot of guilt to go around. And there's been very little, uh, you know, real representation from the United States political class at all. Outside, like I said, outside of Massey and Paul, it seems to be almost non-existent. And I, I fear that if the American people ultimately realize what's transpired and that there is no uh, you know, justice to be found, that they could become radicalized and do some really wild shit. And I don't want to see that either. So it's uh, you add on top of that the, the immigration, which is undermining the poorest, and we are still the most armed country in the world. Well, you can see some, you know, civil war and all this other crazy stuff becomes a, a possibility. I just want to try and wake people up so that we can scare whoever's fucking doing this into backpedaling, because I don't think it's going to go how they think. I think if if we if they start to starve us out, I mean, what they're doing with the the farmers in in the UK, I mean, they're also mm -hmm. doing it domestically. It's not nearly as well talked about, but it, it does seem as if this is a depopulation agenda, and and. I think once people ultimately realize it, they will be not happy. It, 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 it may be that. <clears throat> it, so I was, I was listening to Naomi Wolf's uh, book on, on a flight recently. And um, it's that last chapter. She calls it facing the beast. And she's, she adds it all up, you know, cause she's Naomi and she's, she's looked at every study and all the armies. I mean, she's just been tirelessly on this formerly, a, a, I would say a, a very lefty, you know, secular jew right from manhattan you know classic right like blue and now she's like oh my god this is not what i thought it was and and she had a really great point clint she said you know 
I don't care how big your marketing budget is. Pharma is not powerful enough to get a hundred countries to do, to operate in lockstep. And then she had this great framing where she said, I think it's just evil and evil, you know, does it want depopulation? Sure. What evil likes is it just likes to wreck stuff. Mm. That's it. It just destroys. It doesn't build. Right. So that's how I actually see a lot of the progressives is they're operating in the interest of evil. I'm not calling them evil, but they're operating in the interest of it because they like to tear stuff down. They know how to wreck. They don't know how to build businesses. They don't know how to create prosperity. They're just ready to like tear down white men or whatever they need to do. Right. They're just going to, and they don't, they, they, they're almost childlike. They know not what they do, but it's just this destructive energy. And I think that's what I feel. And maybe you feel it. Maybe some of your listeners feel it's like, something is going on and it's, it's muscular, you know, and, and it's got a point, yeah. but it's point I think is as simple as it just wants to wreck stuff. And we have to resist that and say, no, nah, you know, I'd rather not, you know, I'm right. with you. I'm like, could we not do the whole civil war thing? Thanks. Yes, you know, please, now, please. I mean, could we also not do the whole great reset thing, but it's, it just seems as if the, the power players, not just in America, but basically the entire world are, are, headed in that direction so let's let's wrap with this because i've kept you way too long but this was just such an interesting conversation um you know he he theorized that the one child policy in china could have been a precursor to creating a disproportionate amount of men in their population those that couldn't find partners and that ultimately would make for a, a good uh, soldiering class and obviously with these kind of sleepwalker cells as he describes it he's implying that he thinks perhaps they're here to strike infrastructure, terrorist activity, spy, mm -hmm. who knows. Um, of his hypothesis, what do you agree with, disagree with? I mean, what just whatever your thoughts are on it, I'd love to know. All right, so so I rotate the Rubik's Cube all sorts of directions. So now we're on the red face, the China face, right? Um, I can also fit a lot of things into that that what's happening really serves China's interest. Now, whether they intended to or not, they ended up with 100 million extra males. And when you have 100 extra million dudes in your population, you have a problem. You got, I mean, you know, you got to do something with them, right? So at a minimum, here's the, here's the lowest level thing. China's exporting its men here to the United States so they can get wives, right? It's the classic, they're coming for your women. Like guaranteed, they are. That's yeah. what dudes do. You know, if you put me in, you put anybody in another country and they're gonna be like, hey, how are your women, right? It's just, yeah. it's part I'd of the, the game, same right? Thing so if I was in China, so I get it. Yeah, you know, so so that's at least there. We know there's a relief valve. There's there's steam, letting some steam out, and sending their men offshoring, so they have less of a problem. And you know, so hopefully they can get absorbed elsewhere. That's at the lowest level. Based on having seen the military guys coming in, if and I know China's smart because they think these things through. Of course, they're putting sleeper cells in here. Of course, they're putting trained people in here. But this was explained really well by Michael Yan when we were down there in the Gap. He said. The Chinese people tell them they don't want to attack. The way China works is they take over bureaucratically, administratively. They want you to become China. Right. They don't want to attack. They just want it to become China. So we already become a little bit of China if somebody can go 10 days from the gap to a driver's license in New York City, right? Because they have an administrative route through that. I mean, they're not coming here to take over our four-star general positions. They're hanging out at the DMV. And they're, you know, working in banks and they're, you know, on and on and on. Right. So that for sure is happening. And we saw that happening all over the place down there in Panama and heard lots and lots of stories. That whole Belt and Road that China's doing all across Asia, 
they're doing the similar thing in South America, in Central America right now. They're building libraries, ports, railroads, you name it, bridges. So they, they want, they, they're trying, they are, we're going to become if we're not careful. And where I, where I first knew, like my first big clip, my giant scratchy record moment was when Eric Swalwell is caught bang and fang fang, who mysteriously died in a plane crash later. If you didn't know that, that's interesting. Oh, I thing. did not know she died. Wow. You remember, do you remember seeing that, that video of like that Chinese plane that went like straight down into yeah. the dirt? Like there was, yeah, she was on that plane. No um, New York Times article. Yeah. Check that out. Uh, it's good. <laughs> and, and they, and they don't even New York Times, they don't even mention who she is. They're like, oh, and if, you know, an executive Fang Fang, you know, died in this thing. They didn't even mention the connection to Swalwell. Yeah. So Swalwell's caught with her and he's on the House Intelligence Committee and he doesn't get booted off of that. Right. Which wasn't that you, some sort of, which was tells that you maybe, which tells you maybe they're working together. I don't know. But then, but then she dies. So maybe not. I, it's, it's all so, it's all such subterfuge and such, you know, intelligence agencies working against each other and with each other. And like, I'm just fucking sitting on the sideline. Like, Hey, could you just stop putting bioweapons in the air? Like whatever you're doing. Yeah, yes. so. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just start with that? You yes. know, and, and, and no civil war. Thanks. I'm not yeah. asking for much. Yeah, yeah, like you, you guys can continue to do your little assassinations and things. Just like fucking don't yeah, kill yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. while you're at it. Uh, it seems like a really minimal ask, but the, even that doesn't <laughs> seem possible. All right, so yeah. uh, f final, final question. Are we at war with China? Are they are they an ally? Are we working with them? Do you have like do you have any sense of it? I, I can take it multiple ways. You know, unfortunately, I, I've had some contacts um, uh, in the military who've told me that uh, they're just they're all walking around talking about the inevitability of war with China in 2025. Right. And so everybody's sort of gearing up for that and getting ready for that, because, of course, of course, it's just a thing that's going to happen. Right. So uh, I'm not sure. Again, war happens on multiple levels. And Michael Yan makes the great point. He says the first the war is usually over before the first bullet is shot. It's an information war. And whoever controls that information flow and China is all over that right now. And they're doing a great job at it. They're running the table. Maybe you don't. So remember, what was it, a few months ago? Well, it's 2023. We heard maybe it could almost be a year ago now, but China got Iran and Saudi Arabia to shake hands and open diplomatic relations. I'm like, yeah. she isn't Sunnis at the table. Say what? Yeah. You it know, ended like, the war in Yemen. It was incredible. Incredible. Right. So and then just about three weeks ago. In Iraq, who we just bombed, which you know how much people love that when you bomb their countries, that they just they think that's swell, right? But even before that, like three weeks ago, there's this field called West Kurna One. It's the one of the largest oil fields in the world. And there aren't that many. 43 billion barrels. Exxon's been sitting on it ever since, you know, um, United States came in and they just got booted out contractually. And China and Russia took it over. So China's clearing the table on things that actually really matter. The next few decades are all about access to resources, oil in particular, copper, lithium, trees, you name it. So they're busy making friends and the way they do it, this Chinese style, uh, they're tough business people, but at the end of the day, they always try and, you know, they will work with a win-win if they can, right? They'll build you a port, a bridge at the time. Right. So they've been doing that and they've been doing that. At, so we're already at war in the sense that they're winning hearts and minds. They're securing access. They're building inroads and they are help, helping lots of places become China. Right. Yep. While we're over here, I don't know what worried about who's going into which bathroom. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and honestly, if I was, you know, some dude in Africa, I'd be way more fond of China than I would the dudes that are flying predator drones over my fucking village for the past 15 years. It's like, 
yeah, it's really easy to to choose, you know, the lesser evil in that regard. Oh, these guys want to build us water wells and, you know, get our get our resources. These dudes want to bomb us into oblivion. I'm going to go with the dudes that want to give us water wells. Um, yep. So, yeah, it's it's very interesting. It's so it's so high level. And I really feel like this is why I've I've consistently you know, pled with our political establishment, you know, the handful of politicians that I think aren't totally evil to do the right thing and actually really investigate this and give the American people answers. I fear that we won't get them or, or if we get them, it'll be too late. It'll be after the war's already gone hot. Um, but your insights have been absolutely invaluable. And I, I really appreciate that you, you took the time to explain to my audience a little bit of what the fuck's going on, because it is really complex and confusing but you uh, you certainly shed some light so if you could tell my audience where they'd follow you and everything else i'd appreciate it sure i'd love to uh, peakprosperity.com that's my website we've got a great community there there's a subscription service there i do what i do i i just make i add up you know connect dots like this and, and tell and figure out what's trying trying to figure out what's going on but 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 so that people can take action so whether you come to my website or not please everybody listening to this please you have to prepare as if this wonderful air of abundance is over. Now, I'm going to say that a little cryptically, but everybody needs to start considering the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Food, shelter, warmth, security. You got to do that uh, because it's just, there's just, I this this thing's on a trajectory that I can't, I, we're not going to elect our way off of this, you know, Trump, RFK, God himself. I don't see, I, this has a this has a, an inertia to it that I, I don't see we're getting off of yet. So Man. just how I see it right now. Well, I always love to end it on a positive note. So, <laughs> well, there's lots, there's lots of people. You know what? Okay. So I feel like we are turning the corner though. Uh, people are waking up and I'm loving seeing that, right? No, the that's farmers true. score in victories in Europe, right? The truckers heading to the border. Like, like it's, it's right. happening. So yeah, let's, let's do it. It's not without hope, but it uh, it does seem as if the, the rocky patches are still in front of us. And after going through 2020, you would hope that they'd be behind us, but it seems that like they're definitely not. So uh, anyways, thank you again, Chris, and thank you everybody for tuning in. I, I apologize that I couldn't run this on YouTube. It would have got a huge amount of viewership, but I just fucking can't because they would absolutely <laughs> nuke this. Uh, it was way too much yeah. truth, but if people can share it around, I'll put it out in the audio uh, version so people can listen. I'm sure it's going to go viral regardless. Thank you again, Chris. All right. Thank you. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go?